You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris, and you're listening to a podcast that believes in dreams, that places trust in the magic of imagination, that is always the first star to the right, and where the light in the window is always on, going as we discuss the views from Walt's apartment. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Walt's Apartment Podcast. Uh, This is Sean. I'm so excited to be bringing you this bonus episode this week. Um, We discussed on the live stream last night that uh, we wanted to bring you an interview that David did last year when we were still part of the DCAST with legendary animator Floyd Norman. Andy and David were able to set this interview up, and it was such a good interview, a look into his life, and just um, it was fun, very educational. You're tired of hearing from me, so let's sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing interview with David and Floyd Norman. What's going on, everybody? I'm David Van Hook, a.k.a. The Blurred Hulk, and you're listening to the DCAST Podcast Show. It's a show that discusses all things Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, and it's a banner day in podcast history as we bring you this exclusive interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Floyd Norman. He is one of the world's most iconic Disney animators who in 2016 was the recipient of the Special Achievement Award, the legendary animator at the Walt Disney Company. He worked on iconic films such as Sleeping Beauty, The Jungle Book, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., and much, much more. He currently has a documentary out about his life called Floyd Norman, An Animated Life, which has a true tremendous run on Netflix and now available on FloydNormanMovie.com. He co-founded an animated studio's vignette films and took on projects for other notables throughout history like Sesame Street and Soul Train. Floyd Norman, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure being here. Oh, man, the pleasure is all on this side of the room. I, I absolutely appreciate it. So well, I wanted you. to kind of... I wanted to kind of start out and just kind of, I just kind of had to ask, I, I'm, I, I, I love to draw myself and I was, I was wanted to know like, what age did you realize that you can draw and that you wanted to do this with, for your, with your life? Really? I honestly have no idea what age, uh, you know, we all draw as, as kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think most boys and girls, uh, you know, if they look back on their childhood, they had a coloring book. They had crayons and they were always drawing. Uh, most kids grow out of this. They they become uh, you know they become adults and take on a real challenge in life. But those of us who are kind of crazy, uh, the boys and girls who wanted to keep on drawing, uh, we're the ones who became artists and creators and animators, and uh, that's that's how it goes. So I don't know what age I started drawing. I can only imagine I was very very young. Okay, right on. Yeah, and 
And you now before you actually got hired on at Disney, you 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 did a little bit of work for a uh, for a, another comic book company. Yes, yes, Archie Comics. Oh, nice. So that's what, back, what you? That's back when I was I was still in high school. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so, what did you get to do for Archie? Well, what happened? Um, my uh, biology teacher and and Santa Barbara High School. Uh, played golf with a local cartoonist in Santa Barbara. Uh, the cartoonist's name was Bill Wagen. He had created a comic book called Katie Keene that appeared in Archie Comics. Um, Bill Wagen, uh, I guess I was brought to his attention. Uh, he invited me out to his studio in Mission Canyon. And eventually I became his assistant while still in high school. So I had my first test of being uh, a professional cartoonist while still a high school student. Did you did you enjoy the experience or was it nervous? (laughs) Oh, very much so. No, I enjoyed it. I yeah, somewhat unnerving because I was just a kid, but uh, getting my first taste of what it was like to be a professional cartoonist. So it was invaluable experience, and it was uh, well for me as a kid still in high school. It was a great thrill and a fantastic opportunity. Absolutely. That is cool. So I have to say, yeah. so in, in, in 1957, you were employed at Walt Disney as an in-betweener and you worked on the featured film Sleeping Beauty. Now, can you tell uh, the audience, like those who don't know what an in-betweener is, what, 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 is that pro- what is that role? Well, all of us who start out at the Disney studio, uh, we, you know, you start out as an apprentice. You have to learn the ropes. You have Mm -hmm. to learn the basics, the fundamentals. So no matter who you are, uh, all of us boys and girls were brought in to the studio for 30 days of training. uh, And we learn how to do in-betweens. Now, to put it bluntly, an in-between is simply a drawing in between two other drawings. That's okay. that's part of the animation process. After all, animation is comprised of many, many, many drawings. Somebody has to make all those drawings. Now, the key drawings are made by the uh, by by the lead people, the animators, the the key okay. animators and their assistants. But there's a lot of grunt work, meticulous, tedious grunt work that has to be done, and those drawings are called in betweens. Well, somebody has to know how to do those in between because it has to be done um, properly, even though it's kind of a grunt job, it still has to be done right. So we learn how to become apprentice in-betweeners. And that was the first step, you know, in the animation process. This is how we all learn, no matter who you are. This is learning the basics. This is learning the fundamentals of animation. Oh, right on. So how, how yeah. was it when when you got to see like your name on on one of these Disney features? <laughs> well, that took many, many, many years. Uh, I didn't see my name on a Disney feature, quite honestly, until the 1990s. I think it was 1994. Okay. When I first saw my <laughs> I first saw my name on a Disney feature film. 19, that's a long time from, I started out at Disney in 1956. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my first screen credit until 1994. Oh, wow. That is that... many, many, many years later. Now, keep in mind, that was because back in those days, screen, screen credits were not given out liberally. 
uh, today, uh, anybody who goes to a movie sees the hundreds, and I sometimes I feel like thousands of names <laughs> on the screen. Back in the old days, this was not done. It wasn't done in animation. It wasn't done in live action. Mm-hmm. The only people who received credit were supervisors, heads of departments. So a lot of people who worked on these films never got a screen credit. Not once, not ever. I was mm-hmm. lucky that th- things had changed. And I finally got my screen credit on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And that was around, I think, 1994, um, 95, somewhere in there. I received my first Disney screen credit. Nice. So yeah. now you, you've had many, many roles. Like I, I was, as, as I was doing my research here, uh, I mean, it, not just being an in-betweener and animator. I mean, you've, you've done, you were an animator, in-betweener, storyboard artist, layout artist, writer, among many other, other jobs that you had. It, I've what, done every job, right. What would you say was probably the, the hardest job that you had? Uh, I would say they're all difficult to do well. You know, <laughs> you know, there, there's no hard job. There's no easy job. I think every job is a challenge, uh, but I love a challenge and I love the business. I love the I love the business of animation. And so I pretty much have done every job in animation. Uh, I've been a writer. I've been an artist. I've been a layout artist. I've been a background painter. I've been an animator. I've been a voice actor. I've done literally, I think, every job in, in the uh, that it takes to make an animated feature film. So, uh, and, and that's, that's because I love it. Um, I eventually uh, had to focus on one thing and mm-hmm. that came down to being a writer and a storyteller. And that's mainly what I do today. I, because you simply cannot do everything and do it all well. I finally had to, to uh, make a choice and eventually that choice was being a writer. And I still enjoy the entire filmmaking process. And I get a chance to work with my animators and with my, uh, all the people who, who contribute to uh, making a motion picture. I mm-hmm. still enjoy the entire production process and the talented men and women I get to work with. So, so the job is a real pleasure. And, and I don't consider it hard. I don't consider it difficult. Uh, to me, to me, it's it's a challenge, but but I love doing it. And uh, the more you do it, the better you get Absolutely. Over, over time. And so, yeah, it's a job I've always loved. So let me ask you this this question here. So you so over all, all the years and all the experience and all the many, many jobs that you have, um, yeah. I, I you will normally hear like, what, what advice would you give, you know, the younger animators? But I actually want to kind of change it up a little bit. What what advice would you give if you were able to go back in time and give, uh, you know, take yourself the, the younger Floyd Norman off to the side? What, what advice would today's Floyd Norman give him? <laughs> probably start sooner and work harder. <laughs> I don't know. I think I started pretty. I, I started making animated films when I was still in middle school, so I started pretty young. So yes. I, I was a young filmmaker. I made my first animated film in middle school. I made my first feature length documentary while in high school, um, and then you know I, I went off to art school and finally ended up at the Walt Disney Studio. So my advice to myself and young people is just uh, learn all you can. And um, I think I was headed in the right direction when I began to study this amazing uh, field of filmmaking 
telling stories and animation in particular. I loved every bit of it. I, I learned all of I could. I learned everything I could about the about the industry, nice. uh, every aspect of the industry from the from film editing to cinematography to music. I studied music. I studied art. I studied, uh, you know, photography. I mean, you you have to the more, you know, the more, mm-hmm. you know, the more that's going to inform what you do. And so my advice would be to learn as much as you can. And that means learn as much about everything, not just one particular thing, but learn everything, you know, study architecture, study music, you know, nice. study everything. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's actually really, really great. I love that. Oh, yeah. 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 So I I wanted to say, so you, so you, you know, you, you worked both at Disney and Pixar back then when they were kind of separated. And I, you know, both of those companies are known for like always constantly innovating the way they do animation and the way they do things. And was there ever any innovation that you, that you, you got to see firsthand or just, um, hear about like over the years that just kind of blew your socks off. Like you're just like, wow, <laughs> this is where we're at. Yeah. Well, innovation has always been part of the Walt Disney company. And it's interesting. You should bring that up because uh, a few years ago I was invited by Apple to come up to the Apple developers conference in San Francisco and speak on the subject of creativity and innovation. Because what people don't realize, innovation is not a recent thing. Uh, innovation, uh, innovation has been going on for many, many years. Uh, the Walt Disney Studios started innovating back in the 1920s. Uh, that carried on through the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. There have always been um, pioneers who came up with new ideas and new technologies. The Walt Disney Studio has been innovating since the very beginning. And that was a point I was trying to make, that innovation is not a recent thing. It's been mm-hmm. going on since the 1920s. Walt Disney pioneered so many things uh, when he launched his studio. Uh, from its original launch back in Kansas City, the Laugh-O-Gram studio in Kansas City, Missouri. And then he brought that out to Hollywood and began to make films, Mickey Mouse, The Silly Symphonies, but always, always innovating always coming up with new ideas, new techniques, new technologies. So innovation has been a constant at the Walt Disney Studio. Everything from the multiplane camera to the fact that we make films today completely digitally. Mm-hmm. So I watch, I watch the business grow from being a hand-drawn business to a business where we use digital technology, computer technology, to make our films both at Disney and at Pixar. So innovation is very much a part of our business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a fan, as a fan watching, it just, it just gets, for me, it gets better and better. Now I I do want to ask, I do want to ask you, so you, you work, I mean, you're one, you worked on the iconic jungle book and we kind of live in a day and age of, of, of remakes and, and live action. And, and of course, back in 2016, Disney chose, you know, the jungle book to, to be redone in the live action. Like what, what was it like to see the live, see the live action version of something that you you help animate uh i i had no problem uh with that uh as a matter of fact i had the opportunity uh not long ago to speak the speak to the director of that film 
John Favreau. Favreau. Who's a, uh, yeah, John Favreau, marvelous uh, actor and director. And I told John that uh, I really liked what he had done with his remake of The Jungle Book. And that it it really followed what we had done originally back in 1966. Uh, it really followed the story beats that we created back then. Uh, it was done, uh, of course, using digital technology in this new iteration, but it was still a darn good film. And I wanted John to know that I enjoyed the film very much, that I had no complaints about a remake being made. I thought the film uh, was uh, certainly honored the original Jungle Book that I had the pleasure to work with, with Walt Disney. And um, I don't necessarily have a problem with remakes. We're, we're doing a remake right now at the Walt Disney Studio uh, of the film that I worked on, Mulan. Oh, uh, yes. A film that we did that back in the 90s. And uh, they've just completed Mulan. And I'm looking forward to seeing that film, another film that we worked on many, many years ago. But we're going to see a brand new live action uh, iteration of that film uh, soon to be released. So uh, I find all of this very exciting. And um, again, I have no issues with uh, remakes being made of the classic Disney films. There are some films that I that I might draw the line on. I, I would prefer <laughs> that they that they not do a Pinocchio or a Snow White. I think okay. I think certain films certain films should stand on their own. And although I have nothing against doing a remake, uh, there are some things that I there's some there's some stories I would not encourage uh, yeah. a live action uh, uh, you know re retelling of of, of the classic story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you I, have it. <laughs> I have to. I have to say, I have to. I have to agree with you, uh, Mr. Norman, yeah. on Pinocchio remake. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not that I'm scared of, of live action puppetry, but it's it's a little. Yeah, it, it could be a little weird and stuff. But yeah. I, I love. It. I can't wait to move for Mulan. I saw it in 1998 when I was, you know, right. just you know starting out in college and stuff. And so I'm. I, oh, I yeah. can't. It looks beautifully done, so I'm I'm great to hear yes, that. It does. You're all for yeah. remakes of live action, with with some limitations. Yeah. No, no Pinocchio. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Pinocchio, no Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I, I would like to talk to you a, a little bit about. Um, so you you when you kind of struck out on your own a little bit, you you were able to actually do some amazing projects and stuff for for some other uh, very notable in the in the culture mainstream like like Sesame Street, and this is their fiftieth yeah. year anniversary and and yeah. they I believe they got they were able to to snag Floyd Norman to to do a do another project with them. Um, you care to talk a little bit about yeah. that? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, I originally worked on Sesame Street. It's hard to believe that it's been over 50 years ago now. Uh, in the early 60s, uh, I began working for the children Children's Television Workshop that was producing a show called Sesame Street, a, a, a brand new uh, entertainment educational uh, show for children. Uh, it was kind of a, a groundbreaking project back in the 1960s. And I was very pleased to join a number of talented animators and filmmakers and creatives to create content for Sesame Street. 
Well, you know, uh, just uh, late last year, uh, I was able to uh, meet with the producers of Sesame Street. I had not done any work for them, I think, in over 50 years. And they asked me if I would like to do something. And I said, sure, it might be fun to return to a show that uh, I had worked on so many years ago. So I created a a brand new animated uh, segment uh, based on the number 10. And um, it, it was kind of fun to do this after after so many years had gone past. And I, again, 50 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. But here, here I was uh, working on Sesame Street all over again some 50 years later. And even appearing on the 50th anniversary show uh, on Sesame Street and getting a chance to interact with my favorite monster, uh, the Cookie Monster. Awesome. And it was so much fun, so much fun being on camera with with Cookie Monster and feeding him a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> so it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun uh, being associated with Sesame Street. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't, I can't wait. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's been picked up by HBO. Um, as as we know, that's right. where you can kind of see a lot of of the Sesame Street on there. And I, I, I'm glad to see it continue. It's been a big part of my yeah. life as well as my children's lives as well too. So you bet. Yeah. So. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit. So I I had the opportunity to 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 rewatch um, animated life. I I, I say I love the documentary. It it was a great insight on on you as as a human being and you as an animator. Um, you know, being one of the um, first black animators at the Disney company. I love the fact that you know you you kind of. You said that, you know, I, I when I went to go work for Disney, I wasn't trying to be a pioneer. I, I really wanted a <laughs> no, job to do no. something I really love. So would you I want to be of, an animator. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. would you would, would you talk about because you're going to always I think it's just it's just a, a badge you're going to kind of wear with you for forever as, as, oh, yeah. as being a pioneer and stuff. And and would, yeah. would, I mean, are you are you tired of, of hearing that? Or are you are you embrace it or like you want to talk a little about that? Well, yeah, I, I recognize why this happens. Uh, uh, I remind people that when I went to the Walt Disney Studio, along with uh, a number of other young boys and girls, uh, we went there wanting one thing, and that was to be a Disney artist. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't go to Disney to break down any barriers, to pioneer uh, in any sense of the word. I was not a pioneer, although I recognize the the social implications that many years later, People look back on my career and say, "Oh my gosh, you were the you were the first black animator at the Disney Studio." Well, it never even occurred to me to consider myself the first of anything. I was just another kid looking for a job. But this is how you know this is how it it plays out. This is just part of life. Yep. So even though I've heard this uh, many many times, and they think, "Oh my goodness, you were the first black artist. You were the first black animator." You were the first black guy to do this or that at the Walt Disney Studio. Uh, my goal was simply to be the best at, at what at what I did. Uh, it was not it was it was being the best artist, not being the best black artist, mm-hmm. or you know, because all of my colleagues and I would remind people that my colleagues came from literally all over the world. Eva mm-hmm. uh, Schneider came from Zurich, Switzerland. Jacques Charvet came from Paris, France. And Rick Gonzalez came from El Paso, Texas, and Stan Chen came from New York. 
we came from everywhere. And yep. our only goal was not to break down any barriers because to be truthful, there weren't any barriers. Mm-hmm. The only barrier to success at the Walt Disney studio was your talent or the lack of it. <laughs> so <laughs> our job was, our job was to qualify to be a Walt Disney artist. It didn't matter who we were, what we were or where we came from. Our job was simply to be a good artist and to qualify to be worthy of a job at the Walt Disney studio. And frankly, that's all that mattered. Now I know that today people, people look back on me as, Oh, you, you were the guy who, who, who uh, broke down the doors at the Disney studio. Well, not really, but I do recognize that if my career and my life can in any way be helpful to a young person, Mm -hmm. if my life, if my experience can inspire young people, well, then that's all good, you know, and it's all good that kids know that it doesn't matter who you are or what you are or where you came from, that if you are good at what you do, you can qualify for a uh, stellar career at the Walt Disney Studio. And I think that's the main lesson when I talk to my students today is that be good at what you do, be better than anybody else. Because really, when it all boils down to it, that's what matters. Not who you are, but what you can do. Absolutely. Can contribute. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's yeah, absolutely. Um, well, like I said, yeah. when I when I when I watch when I watch that documentary, it, it, it was it was amazing. It was it was funny. I actually I, I yeah. love there. There's some really great parts. So how how yeah. so can you tell me how, how did the idea of the animated life come, come about? Like did, did somebody approach it? Or is this some? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. That's for sure. It, no, it was no. not my idea. I, I was, I was at the uh, San Diego comic book convention that I attend every year. And this particular year we were celebrating a brand new documentary on the life and career of the famous illustrator, Drew Struzan. Well, I knew Drew and I was uh, going over to his table at the comic at the comic con to congratulate him on the completion of this marvelous documentary on his life and career. Well, while I was there, I just so happened to run into the director of that documentary. And he said uh, now that he had completed the Struzan documentary. He was looking for a new project. And a friend of mine who happened to uh, tag along with me said, well, here's your new project right here, pointing to me. And uh, believe it or not, a few weeks later, that filmmaker contacted me at the Walt Disney Studio and said, you know what? I'd like to do a documentary on your life and, and your career in animation. And I, I was somewhat surprised and taken aback by that, uh, <laughs> by that offer. But I said, if you really want to do it, then my life is yours. Uh, you know, I, I will be happy to cooperate with you uh, in any way that I can. And let's make a good film. Let's make a good documentary. So that's how it all began. 
Right on. Well, it, it it is it is a great documentary, and 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 speaking of speaking of the great documentary, uh, uh, Turner Classic Film Festival, which I believe was yes. planned, it was they were going to do a live event, but due to the coronavirus right. on the nineteenth, it, it got uh, canceled, and so they're going to do a televised event, which is going to be honoring you. Um, and I think one of the things they're going to do to help honor you is they're going to actually show that that uh, Floyd Norman. Uh, my- Yes. Of life. Yeah. So right. and, they are, they, they're actually going to show that in April. Right. That's that's correct. Absolutely. So people are people who are listening here are going to get the opportunity to to see that. Uh, those who want to see it on Blu-ray, absolutely go to the FloydNormanMovie.com and you can pick it up there. But I I loved it. It, it was personally is one of, one of my favorite uh, documentaries. Well well produced. Yeah. Um, and you you, you I. I I knew you're an animator. I, I knew of your work and stuff. I, I didn't. What I didn't know, which was kind of showed a little bit, was you know you you're really you're really funny. You could have had a, probably a, a, <laughs> a good career in stand-up comedic and, and comedy. Uh, well, you know what? I, I I have to be funny because one of the guys that I had to make laugh was Walt Disney. So you know that's <laughs> there, there's a real challenge when, when your job is that. to make Walt, Walt Disney laugh. Yeah, yeah. So how how was your how was your first interaction with with the the late great Walt Disney? Like, well, so he, uh, yeah. Well, once again, it was totally unexpected. Yeah, uh, that was a real surprise. I never, I never thought I would ever be working with Walt Disney. But it was not my decision. Uh, it happened uh, in spite of myself. Uh, when Walt Disney wanted to do a rewrite of the Jungle Book because he wasn't happy with the first version, mm-hmm. uh, he chose me to be part of that new group of writers who would rewrite the Jungle Book and work with him back in 1966, work with him throughout that year to to hammer together a new storyline for the Jungle Book. So it was a marvelous opportunity for a young kid like myself to be able to work with a story master like Walt Disney and to be able to attend meeting after meeting with the uh, with the old maestro himself. Uh, not many people ever got a chance to be in a meeting with Walt Disney. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in several meetings with Walt throughout the year 1966 while we worked on the Jungle Book. So it was an incredible learning opportunity. It was just uh, probably, I would say, a remarkable year in my life. At the time, I had no idea, absolutely no idea that this was Walt Disney's last year, because by the end of 1966, we we would have lost him. Uh, he yeah. passed away in December of '66. Yeah, that was a that was a tra- that was a shock to a lot of nobody. I don't think it, really anybody knew that that was coming down the. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so he was, know, and and yeah, we we had no idea. And keep in mind, we spent uh, a lot of time with Walt Disney, and we had no idea how sick he was. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm. I'm sure he 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 just made sure the work was what his you know what was his passion and just kind of you know kept that pri- kept his private life private. So that's right. And that's right. Now, now I hear he was he was a part of and I, I wanted I want you to if if you can kind of help fill in the audience, but he was a part of a special group called the nine old nine old men. 
Um, could you tell us a little bit about what, what that what that group is and what that means? <laughs> well, the the nine old men uh, actually it started out as a joke that Walt Disney made, uh, referring to the uh, the Supreme Court. And, you know, uh, the, the Supreme Court justices were often uh, referred to as the nine old men, you know, kind of a, in, in a humorous manner. Well, Walt Disney, uh, looking at his top animators, uh, said, well, I've got nine old men, too. And he, <laughs> he, he, he meant, meant that that his veteran animators were kind of like his like like the Supreme Court justices. They were his nine old men. Well, you know what? That little joke stuck. And and as the years went by, a lot of people referred to Disney's uh, top veteran animators as the nine old men. Uh, and this is not to say that there weren't other animators beside the nine who were equally as good, because mm-hmm. there were many, many talented animators who were as talented uh, as Disney's nine old men. But again, it, it started out as a as a humorous comment comment by Walt, kind of a joke, and it just mm-hmm. stuck. So those guys, and you probably know them: Molly Johnson, Frank Thomas, Milt Gall, yep. uh, John Lounsbury, Willie Reiterman, Ward Kimball, Les Clark. Uh, who have I left out? <laughs> uh, Lounsbury, Clark. Yeah, I think you covered. But, but, yeah, but but Walt was not one of them. Uh, the nine old men were Walt's veteran animators. Yep, and uh, and and that's who Walt was making the joke about his his uh, his veterans, and nice. so uh, and they were great. These, these were great guys, and they were masters of animation, no doubt about that. But once again, this is not to say there were only nine good animators who did because <laughs> absolutely because there were. Many, many talented uh, and gifted animators who worked who worked uh, for Disney for many, many years, who were not part of the uh, Nine Old Men. But this is not to say they weren't great in their own right. No, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. I, I have to say, so when when you were bestowed uh, the Legend animator. Um, you did 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 any you get any extra perks with that? Like, did you get your own parking pass to? to <laughs> you know, and... Well, you know, this is another thing that started out almost by accident when the studio decided to honor uh, those who had made a, uh, a valuable contribution to the Disney legacy. Uh, during the time of their career at the Walt Disney Studio. And it started out as not that big of a deal. It was a small ceremony, and it was usually attended by uh, a group of people at the studio. It was not a public event, and it was very small, very quiet, and but it was it was it had some significance in that it wanted to honor people who had contributed a great deal to the Walt Disney Studio during their lifetime. Well, as the years went by, it began to grow bigger and bigger, and it became a larger event. Eventually, it expanded into a huge public event <laughs> at D23 in Anaheim, yep. where, where hundreds and I think thousands of people would attend the ceremony when people would become Disney legends. And so what happens when you receive the Legends Award? You get this huge trophy, and it is huge. It's gigantic. You also get your handprints in Legends Plaza, 
at the Walt Disney Studio, and people, visitors, and tourists can come and see your uh, your handprints uh, in the plaza, much like uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, where the movie yeah. stars have their their handprints in in cement. And so, um, I guess I guess that's what it you know. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be considered a, a Disney legend. And uh, although, other than that, I don't think. You know, I don't think there are any additional perks except, well, there might be uh, you receive a pass to get you into Disneyland, the, the Disneyland uh, theme parks uh, probably all over the world from Disneyland in <laughs> California to Orlando in Florida to Japan uh, to Paris and uh, to China. Uh, and so sadly, all of those parks are closed down right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Due to this, uh, sadly that everything is shut down due to the pandemic, but hopefully yeah. we'll get past this and hopefully the parks will be open again soon. Absolutely. I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. And, and speaking of which yeah. I, I wanted to kind of, um, kind of close out the segment and ask some questions that my audience or our audience wanted to kind of know, just so if you, if you mind playing a little inside baseball with us. Okay. So, okay. So one, one of the questions that they wanted to know was, um, do you have a, a preference of, of, uh, your favorite Disney park? Like, are you a Disneyland or Disney, Disney world person? I would say the first park remains uh, my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Disneyland, which was the original park, uh, will always be very special to me. And mainly because it was the first park I ever attended and, and because it has just that special uh, Walt Disney touch. Walt devoted so much of his time and energy to this original park. Now, this is not to say that the parks that sprang from this uh, aren't great as well. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, Walt Disney World in Florida that I've been to many, many times, uh, I love that park as well. But I always go back to the original park in Anaheim as being my favorite park to visit. I love to visit all of them, but still the one the one in California uh, remains my favorite. Is there a, a follow-up to that? Is there a favorite attraction at Disneyland that you enjoy? I, I tell people today my favorite attraction is the park bench. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love I to sit on the park bench at Disneyland and just watch people, people have a good time. Nice. People watching. Yeah, that's my favorite ride, to sit on the park bench. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and I don't think there's any better place to people watch than Disneyland because you get to really right. see it. There's a lot of first timers and you get to see that, yeah. that, that newness in their faces and stuff. It's, it's oh, definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. The park bench at Disneyland. And, all the, and you, and you see all the children as well. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, another the kids having a good time. Uh, another question from one of our fans here is um now that so disney is definitely the the mainstay for entertainment um they you know they've got um marvel and they got star wars um what what do you think about you know seeing a lot of these uh these uh this just error of of comic book action movies and stuff that uh, on the big screen well you know it's pretty fantastic uh 
I'm not surprised with our acquisitions, and I think they've been smart ones. Uh, I think the idea of acquiring Pixar was a very smart move by the Disney company. Uh, Acquiring Star Wars was also a very smart move because it fits well within the Disney culture. I was surprised that Marvel, I thought, would was a rather risky choice, and I was hesitant about the acquisition of Marvel. But it turns out that Marvel has actually been surprisingly a very good fit for the Disney culture, and it works uh, really well. I've had the opportunity to meet both uh, Jack Kirby and oh. Stan Lee. I had the opportunity to work with Stan Lee many years ago. Uh, these guys have both left us. Uh, Jack passed away, and now Stan is gone. Yes, But I did have a chance to talk to Jack Kirby and to Stan Lee about this whole thing of bringing the Marvel Universe to, to Hollywood and to motion pictures. And Jack Kirby was very excited about it. And Stan Lee had had the opportunity to not only enjoy <laughs> the Marvel, you know, the whole Marvel thing coming to the movies, but he got a chance mm-hmm. to appear in all of those Marvel movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Doing, doing, doing a cameo in every every Marvel film, Stan Lee was always there. Yeah. So I think it I think it's been just terrific. It's been just uh, marvelous to to have uh Disney absorb Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar. And it's just been uh, a pretty fantastic time and certainly uh, brought a great deal of success to the Walt Disney Company. Absolutely. And I would love the opportunity to kind of kind of end on on this note. I mean, you you're a man of many honors and you're you're going to get honored again this year in in October, I believe, by the New Barrymore Film Center, which is in Fort, right. Fort New Jersey. And they're going to be yeah. presenting uh, presenting and honoring you with with the Oscar Michaud Award, yes. who is also right. I mean, he, he's a, a pioneer film uh, creator in his own right as well. How do you feel about right. getting, receiving that honor uh, coming in October? Well, it's very special. Uh, um, hopefully, uh, things will have settled down by then so that we can uh, so that I can get back to New York and uh, and uh, enjoy that special occasion. Uh, however, honors to me are, are not really a big deal because I, I don't do what I do to receive honors and accolades. I mm-hmm. do what I do because I love it. Uh, I do the work that I do to bring entertainment to children and to adults and to make everybody laugh and to make everybody smile. So mm-hmm. while I graciously accept the honors that are bestowed upon me, uh, deep down inside, uh, trophies and awards and honors are no big deal because that's not why I do what I do. Absolutely. I do what I do because I love it. Uh, I do what I do to entertain people. It's bringing smiles and laughter to the face, faces of humanity, much the same way Walt Disney wanted to bring happiness to millions of people. So I, I, I try to follow in Walt's footsteps, and that is to bring a bit of joy, a bit of happiness and hopefully make the world a little better and happier place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said, well said, sir. And with, with that, I, I, I do want to, well, actually, can I ask a question for myself? Um, and this is just you a should. quick one you, off the cup. You bet. So sure. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in, in the light of, you know, everyone kind of having to kind of stay at home or unless you're an essential employee during this crisis and stuff, a lot of people are turning right. towards 
streaming. I was wondering, do you you yourself do you have Disney Plus? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, it, it's kind of funny that, that that people laugh when I tell them I have Disney Plus. But yes, I do have Disney Plus, and, and even though I'm uh, currently working on a project mm-hmm. for Disney Plus, <laughs> even now, so uh, hopefully, uh, if when things can be up and running again, and we can get back to work at the mm-hmm. Walt Disney Studio, we are currently working on a project right now for Disney plus. So yes, I am, uh, all in on Disney plus. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, uh, I'm a part of it. I'm nice. creating content for it. And I, I look forward to, to, uh, getting back, you know, and finishing this film that we're currently working on. But in the meantime, as we sit at home and we can't really go out to the movies, I hope that people can still enjoy Disney entertainment by watching Disney plus. Absolutely. And with that yeah. said, I, I, I do want to say thank, thank you so much, Mr. Mr. Norman, for honoring us with, with your time. Um, just so you know, this this was actually one. This is one of my dream dream interviews and stuff. So um, I, I, was, I felt <laughs> pressure. I didn't want to put that out there beforehand, yeah. but I'm I, no pressure. We're yeah, <laughs> no pressure <laughs> coming to a close. And I can say it, yeah. it's. It was like a, a huge weight, and I, it's you've been gracious and and very accommodating. So I, I do thank you so so much for coming on to the decast and, and allow me to interview you for 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 us. Well, thank and, you. It's my pleasure. Happy to so, do it. Happy to do yep. it. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the great, the iconic Floyd Norman. Um, please check out uh, the an animated life Floyd Norman. Uh, you can get it at floydnormanmovie.com on Blu-ray. Um, he, he's an amazing, amazing animator, been a part of the Disney history for, for a long time, and he's still doing amazing work. He, Like he said, there's uh, some upcoming Disney Plus projects he'll be working on, and hopefully in the future we get to, we'll definitely get to talk about that and promote that for him as well um, on our Dcast. So with that said, Floyd, thank you so much, and, and enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Okay, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Our very own David doing an awesome interview with Floyd Norman uh, back last April, I believe, is when they did that. I want to thank you guys for listening to the interview with David and Floyd Norman. And till next week when we see you all again, we hope you enjoy the view from Walt's apartment. Good night, everyone.